Galatians 2.20. It turns out, Matt, this is one I could have done from memory, but it's not the ESV, so we'll read. There's a, there's a nice, neat little song years ago that, that does this first, and uh, I, I won't sing it for you either, so. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I didn't think about it. I was going to see if that was even in the book. It doesn't look like it is. <clears throat> Anybody remember that song? Know that song? I sang that at church camp for years. I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ living with me. And then the life that I now live, lives, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's a good VBS song, too. It's also a good way to memorize Galatians 2, verse 20. Well, good morning. <clears throat> it's good to be back with everybody. It's been, uh, feels like a couple of weeks, but I think it's only actually been one week. And if you haven't met, my wife is here today. Um, uh, she has uh, been out for a couple of weeks, two or three weeks, caring for sick boys and sick self and sick me and um, it's been, it's been fun. Uh, last week, of course, was Thanksgiving, and uh, I, I hope that uh, everybody got an opportunity to, uh, uh, to reflect back on the good life that, that we've been blessed with, to uh, think back and, uh, on the last year or so of, of blessings that we've been given. I um, hope everybody got enough pie. I didn't, but I don't really need more. I had a problem buttoning my top button this morning, so I don't think I needed any more pie. Um, of course, uh, last this weekend has been a great weekend. It's been beautiful weather. We just came back from Sarah's parents. Ohio State beat Michigan. Alabama lost, so all is right in the world. Uh, our Alabama fans aren't here today, though, unfortunately. Um, so today, uh, we're going to continue our, our sermon series here on, on the good life, and um, you know, an important aspect of, of being a Christian involves the element of faith. Uh, we've talked about faith several times. Of course, faith is a, is a, a crucial part of our life and a, a crucial part of being a Christian, and so it's something that we investigate often. Um, if you look over at Jude, verse 3, Jude writes, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. What was delivered once for all for all the saints? Jude 3 says, the faith. But if we look throughout the, the whole of Scripture, it is the good news. It is the gospel that was delivered once for all for all the saints. And so the faith is often referred to, or it can be seen as, the gospel. It's the gospel to which one uh, responds in becoming a Christian. And those who have obeyed the gospel have been faithful to the Lord, as detailed in Acts chapter 16, verse 15, and Colossians chapter 1, verse 2. And in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, Paul writes there, So then, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household 
of faith. Now we've talked about how we are the household of God, but Paul also refers to us as the household of faith. Those are Christians. Faith is the underlying principle that all our conduct surrounds. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 17. Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Faith is fundamental to our salvation in Christ. Faith is uh, central to the life that we now live in Christ, that we just heard in our scripture reading in Galatians chapter 2. And Paul echoes this in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 6 through 7. He says, So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. So the life that we live is supposed to be a life that is led by faith. There's a song, Living by Faith, right? But even though we have these truths, even though we see these things in Galatians chapter 2 and in 2 Corinthians 5 and in Romans chapter 1, all these things that, that, that faith is the foundation and is fundamental to our life, it is often that the nature of faith and its importance in the life of a Christian is often misunderstood It's often neglected. So as we continue to examine the good life that we have in Christ, we must emphasize that it is a life that is lived by faith. And what that entails may be clear as we first define the meaning of faith. And the meaning of faith, first off, involves the idea of belief. That's the fundamental foundation of faith, is believing something. Right? Belief means that it's a certainty or a conviction that one has in a truth or a proposition. In other words, believing in things concerning Jesus and His kingdom. It's what Philip preached in Acts chapter 8, verse 12. This faith or this conviction that we have, it comes from the Word of God. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. Right? It's through that word that we find this belief, that we grow our faith. Now, faith also involves the idea of confidence. Having confidence, the willingness to place our trust and reliance on, on someone or something else. In our case, it's someone else. Putting our trust in God, that He is reliable that's something that Abraham came to understand. Romans chapter 4, verses 20 through 21. Paul details this. He says, No unbelief made Abraham waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. And that's a, that's a trust. That's a belief. That's a confidence that we are supposed to have in God as well. That what He has promised us in His Word will come true and that He will follow through. The meaning of faith also involves the idea of fidelity. That one is loyal, committed, and can be trusted. Look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 4. The first couple of verses of 1 Corinthians 4 in which Paul details 
um, that we should be regarded as servants, servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God, he says in verse 1. And in verse 2 there, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, he says it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Now the word that's used for faithful there can also be interpreted, and in some translations may have it, as reliable. Right, A steward is someone who is reliable or should be reliable. If you own a business, Dale owns a business, Kip owns a business. If you own a business, the employees that you have need to be reliable. They have to be reliable. Otherwise, they're not employees anymore. And a steward is it's the same thing. A steward is someone who, who works. Right? A servant is someone who serves. And they need to be reliable. They need to be faithful. And our faithfulness, our commitment, our trustworthiness, our reliability, it's supposed to last even to the point of death. In Revelations chapter 2, John documents Jesus is saying, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. That's a commandment, church. Be faithful unto death. It's not be faithful when you feel like it until you die. It's be faithful unto death. And as we'll see as we continue this study this morning, that many of the things that we see in Scripture referring to faith, it is an ongoing process. It's not just something that you have and you got it. That's it. You're done. You don't have to do anything else. It's something that you continue to build upon. But a faithful Christian is one who believes in the Word of God, he has confidence in the person of God, and is himself loyal and trustworthy in the service of God. So with that in mind, let us now look at what can be said about the life of faith. And the life of faith involves confessing our faith. And really, it begins with that. Confessing our faith means that we are acknowledging our belief in Jesus Christ before others. A confessing of faith is an outward spoken word. It's something that we must do as a condition of our salvation. If you look at Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. confession of our faith is important for our salvation. And it's something, just as with our faith, that just doesn't stop upon baptism. Right? We confess that Jesus is Lord. We're baptized into Him. That doesn't mean we stop confessing that Jesus is Lord. We don't stop confessing our faith. Look, uh, look at Matthew chapter 10. Verses 32 through 33 there, Jesus is teaching. He says, So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will deny before my Father who is in heaven. What does that indicate? That indicates that that we need to be acknowledging Christ before men throughout our life. It is an ongoing confession. We are to do so with our life and with our mouth. The life of faith is never ashamed to admit that one believes in Jesus Christ. 
The life of faith also involves living by faith, as the title of our sermon this morning. This is just basically, the, the basic gist of this means that we are conducting our life with trust, with belief, with faith in Jesus Christ. That's what Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 said. Now if you turn over to Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7, we're going to see that, that living by faith means that we are trusting in the works of Jesus and not our own works. Starting in verse 4, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You see, our salvation comes because of the mercy of Jesus Christ. It's not because of works that we've done. It's not something that we hold up on a pedestal. Look what I've done. I've done this. I've helped this person. I've given this much money to charity. I've been baptized. That's another one people like to point to and say, well, baptism is a work. It's not a work of man, though. It is a work of God. Colossians chapter 1 or Colossians chapter 2 details that. It is a powerful working of God that occurs in the waters of baptism. And it's not a work of, of ours that, are, that we are holding up, but it is a work of Jesus Christ. It is how we are united with Christ in the waters of baptism. But living by faith means that we trust in the works of Jesus and not our own works. It also means that we trust that His death was truly for our sins. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 First three verses there. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you. This is Paul writing. Of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand, and by which you are being saved. See, the gospel leads to salvation. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. You cannot live by faith. You cannot have a life of faith if you do not believe and hold true that Jesus Christ died for your sins. It's all part of living by faith. That's something that needs to be confessed and taught and proclaimed and praised. Living by faith also means that we are trusting in the words of Jesus and we are living accordingly. In our morning uh, Bible class, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount and the words of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus that we find in the Gospel. We've been studying the life of Christ for several months now, but going in detail on the teachings and the lessons that Christ provides to us. And in Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 48, We see Jesus teaching uh, the disciples again. He says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. Now again, we see in this teaching of Jesus that this is a, 
an ongoing process. This is a process in which the foundation had to be dug out. Now, I'm not a foundationologist. We have some of those here with us today that they can probably speak to this a little bit more in the structural integrity of a foundation. But the deeper you dig, it's probably going to be the stronger of a building, right? Sure. sure. All right. As long as it's not sinking sand. Um, but, you know, the foundation is lead. You... When you pour a foundation today, it's typically concrete. The concrete has to set. The concrete has to develop. It has to harden before you can build upon it. Because if you build upon wet concrete, the whole thing's going to be all wonky. That's a technical term. <laughs> and so, too, when you look at this teaching of Jesus, he's saying that this, this man built a house, he dug deep, and he laid the foundation on the rock. That's a process. That's not something that's just done. Right? It takes time. And then, of course, you have to build up that house. You have to build upon that foundation. And our life is an ongoing process of building on our faith. We should always be striving to live by faith. We should always be striving to trust in the words of Jesus and to live accordingly, to live abiding in His words, to follow His instructions to do what He says that we should do. He said at the beginning of that, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? How many times, parents, have you looked at your children and asked the same thing? Why don't you listen? Why don't you do what I tell you to do? If it's that frustrating for you as a parent, think about how frustrating it must be to God. The life of faith is one that seeks to live in harmony with the teaching of Jesus, with the gospel. Living by faith also means that we benefit by faith. What does that mean? Well, it means that we enjoy the blessings that come from a life of faith. Now, some may teach that that means that we're going to be rich. Right? You believe in Jesus and you're, you're, a, you're a part of the household of God and now God's going to richly bless you in this life and He's going to give you all this stuff Look at me. I'm a rich guy. I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm talking in terms of these other uh, uh, prosperity gospel preachers who teach this kind of thing. And, they, and most of them are extremely wealthy. They drive very fancy cars. They have private jets. They have giant mansions, which in and of themselves are not a bad thing. But when you teach that they gain these things because of their faith in Christ, that sets a very dangerous precedent. Because when you teach that lesson to the poor... And the poor respond to that message and the poor say, all right, I see that, I want that. Why are they believing in Christ? Are they believing in Christ for their salvation or are they believing in Christ because of the riches that they want in this life? And then when they believe and they don't get those riches in return, what happens to their faith? What little faith they had. The blessings that we have in this life are things such as joy and peace and hope and power, things that Paul taught the Romans in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. And if you look at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 11 through 12, Paul writes, This was according to the eternal purpose that he, was, that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. You see, through our faith in Him, we have the blessing of boldness, and confident access. Confident access to what? To God. 
You see, before Jesus, the only way that you could pray to God is that you go to the temple and you, you talk to the priests because the priests were the ones that had the direct channel. Right? There was a curtain that separated man from God in the temple. But see, when Jesus died on the cross, that curtain was torn in two. The line of communication now went through Christ. And when you are in Christ, that excess opens up. That is a blessing. And it's through our faith in Jesus Christ that we receive those blessings. So the life of faith does not go unrewarded in this life, even though its primary concern is the life to come. Now Jesus said that following Him would bring persecutions. And when you think about that, you think, well, how can persecutions be a blessing? Well, as we talked about in our class this morning, James tells us that we should count it all joy when we meet trials of various kinds, because it is through those trials, it is through the testing of our faith that we become stronger Christians, that we build our relationship with God, and that we gain wisdom and confidence, and we find that joy in the end. But knowing that, we should look at trials, we should look at persecutions that may come our way joyfully, because we know that in the end, God's got our back. And lastly, the life of faith involves maintaining our faith. As we've seen thus far, this is not something that you just say one time, hey, I have faith, give me my inheritance, and that's it. All right, there's a continuation. You have to continue building on that foundation. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 3. Maintaining our faith means that we need to remain steadfast in the faith that we have in Christ. And there is a need to stand firm and stand fast because faith can quickly turn into unbelief. As I just mentioned with those um, who I've seen all too often, of those who have faith that that is based in false things. And then when trials or temptations or persecutions come their way, They quickly abandon that faith because the faith wasn't set firm in the rock. Look at Hebrews chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Right There's the maintain. Verse 15, as it said, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was He provoked for forty years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. You see, the Hebrew writer points back to to Jewish history. If you look back in verse 16, it said, "For, For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? You see, it was the Israelites in Egypt. They heard what Moses had to say. They believed that Moses was sent by God, and they followed Moses out of Egypt, but it wasn't not a few days after they left Egypt that that faith went away, 
in unbelief came back in and they started building idols. They, I need something to worship. Or when they're wandering in the wilderness, verses seven, verse 17, they're wandering in the wilderness. They forgot all the blessings and the wonder that God had provided through Moses of getting them out of Egypt. And they sat there and they complained in the wilderness, said, I'm hungry. Give me something to eat. And God said, okay, here's manna. That wasn't enough. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? Speaking directly to who? Moses. Moses didn't enter the promised land. Why? Because he hit the rock. People think, well, that's a silly reason not to, not to be able to enter the promised land. That doesn't seem like a loving God. Well, God said, don't hit the rock. He said, he said what? Speak to the rock. And Moses said, I'll do it my way. The way of man may seem right, but in the end it is death. Turn over to 2 Peter chapter 1. We'll end here this morning. <clears throat> To maintain faith, we must add to it other things. Things that Peter describes here in verses 5 through 11. Peter writes, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self control, and self control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall." For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To maintain faith, we need to add to it. We need to supplement it, Peter says, with qualities such as virtue and knowledge and self-control and steadfastness and godliness and brotherly affection and love. And he says that if we have those qualities and if they are increasing then it will keep us from being ineffective, it will keep us from being unfruitful, and it will keep us from falling. I hope that's an encouragement to you this morning. Because a Christian is one who should take his faith very seriously. Because faith is essential to our salvation, both being saved and remaining saved. It is essential to life. To receive blessings now and in the life to come. So the question this morning and the challenge that I give you as we leave here, are you living by faith? Do you believe what has been revealed about Jesus Christ? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He died on the cross for your sins? If you're answering that yes, great. Let's move on to the next question. Do you have confidence in Him, that He can deliver on what He promises? If your answer is yes to that as well, let's continue to the next question. Are you a trustworthy disciple of Jesus, someone that He can count on to be faithful?
Now, for many of us, questions one and two, we've already answered. And for some of us here this morning, perhaps you haven't answered those questions, or maybe you've answered them in your heart, but you haven't confessed your faith. You haven't confessed your faith and been baptized into the blood of Jesus Christ. And for question three, are you a trustworthy disciple of Jesus? Someone that He can count on to be faithful. If you're here this morning and you've already been baptized and you answer that question with, um, maybe? Or you don't have an answer to the question. Perhaps this lesson this morning will encourage you to dive into the Word and to reflect on your life a little bit so that you can be better about living by faith, to being a trustworthy and reliable steward. If you're here this morning and you do believe, you do believe that what has been revealed about Christ is true and you have confidence that He can deliver on those promises, but you haven't obeyed what the gospel commands to repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins, then don't delay another day. If the church can assist you with that or any other need that you have this morning, now is the time that you can come forward while we stand and sing.